0: What's up, everybody? Special time for the live listeners of the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast because we have a special guest. We'll intro him in just a second. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by my usual partner in crime, John Sharon. John, how are you this Wednesday? A very special episode of the podcast. I assume you're doing well.
1: Yeah, it's Wednesday. The sun is still up, and we're looking at someone in that intro who's come back on for a third time in seven months. We could not be happier to have him back on. Hello. I'll lead intro, man.
0: Mike Daniels, fresh off a new contract with the Cincinnati Bengals, rejoins us on the program. A busy guy. We thank him for the time. Mike, how are you? Good to have you back.
2: Joe, I'm I'm feeling really great, man. Thank you guys for having me back. Clearly, I like you guys, right? I, I keep coming back. So <laughs> yeah, you guys are a big part of my motivational signing back. You know, I get to talk to good people.
0: I, I love it. I love I like it. it. And, I, and we love you back too, is because we put you on the intro. I mean, that's that's a short list there. So uh, you know, you made it on our intro. And I gotta tell you, Mike, I just personally speaking, I was very excited that you re-signed with the Cincinnati Bengals, not only from an on field production standpoint a leadership standpoint, but obviously just how kind you've been to us on this program. I I guess just, let's just start there. You're, you're fresh off a new contract. You re-signed with, with the Bengals. What was it? I mean, I know it wasn't a year that everybody expected for the team. Uh, You know, sometimes when a team doesn't have a great year, it may be hard to entice a, a good player to come back, but what is being built there? And what, what's kind of the message there that was sent to you that made you say, Hey, you know what? I want to be here for what's coming in 21. Uh, Definitely,
2: three things: the coaches, Zach Taylor is my guy, the quarterback, and the locker room. I, I can't say enough good things about those three aspects. Right, Zach Taylor—I've I probably said every synonym for the word "good," awesome, or cool—in in the thesaurus for This guy, right? Uh then, then you have Joey B, who he's young greatness, man. I'm saying it, I know it, I see it. He's young greatness, and I'm glad to be part of that. Get the ball back for him, you know, take some points off the board for him. And and the locker room. The locker room really embraced me last year being a being a stranger, you know, to a lot of those guys. And I I got nothing love for them, right? Um and that, that's the that's the personal aspect, but now that i am actually look at the real Gridiron actually knows about it. Like we were in just about every game last year, and and I look forward to continuing to help us build. I, I'm just so glad to be part of that process, of that building process, right?
1: I mean, you me- you mentioned like the coaching staff has been a reason why you came back. The Bengals actually got a new defensive line coach. What what did you know about? Uh, Coach Hobby before he was hired, and have you gotten a chance to talk to him and to, just 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 to discuss the different roles he might have for you guys, or like what are your first impressions of Coach Hobby?
2: Uh, I, I didn't know much about him. You know, uh, my first time hearing about him was when he gave me a call when he accepted when he took the job, and we we've been in contact. You know, I'm excited to get to working with him. Uh, he he definitely is excited to be in Cincinnati, and it's always good, right, when, when you got somebody who is excited to work with you you're excited to work with them That that's just the recipe for great energy you know what i'm saying um i i i, <laughs> I, I remember he was he was in miami uh last year and we saw him up close and personal their, their guys they, they they got to the quarterback man you know the, the and really with me though it's like the, the defense coordinator is the same right um it's very comfortable for me. Like I'm familiar with what's going on. Like it, it it's a great opportunity for me for more productivity on my end. Instead of coming in a few days before the first week of the season, having to learn everything. Now no, I know it all. Right. So now now I can start being me on that football field.
0: Well, being you is a good thing because you are obviously a productive player, and you helped out the team quite a bit last year, and are looking to do so again this year. Talking with Mike Daniels, defensive lineman with the Cincinnati Bengals, coming back fresh off a new contract with the team, we are all happy to have him back. You know, Mike. Aside from just endearing yourself to the fan base because you're you're a really awesome guy, a really fun fun guy, and you're a good player. Uh, ah, one you. of the <laughs> one of the one of the things that I think also endeared you to the fan base and maybe to to a lot of your teammates is embracing a leadership role really in in a short period of time with this team you know you're a pro bowl player you've got a, a great resume and you came in it's kind of a young team maybe a little bit in transition last year and you seem to assume a leadership role now you've got some more guys exiting this year who have who were looked at as locker room leaders Gino Atkins uh, Gio Bernard is that now just kind of your your place it's your second year with the team now are you kind of saying, you know what, I'm really stepping up. I'm really going to be a leader on this team. There's going to be more young guys coming in here, and and you're going to embrace that role. I would assume so, but I'd like to hear from you on that. I, I'm a
2: 10-year vet, man, and I'm blessed to have that happen for me, right? Just to, to step into a locker room and be one of the – I think I'm the oldest guy on the defense. In fact, I know I'm the oldest guy on the defense, right? And to have that type of veteran um, respect, 10 years is a long time to be an NFL man. And I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful to to, um, be somewhere where they really appreciate that. They appreciate that wisdom and um, the leadership that I can bring. And I'm, you know, I'm taking it in. Like I said earlier, the locker room is a big part why I came back. And I'm going to be missing diversity for whoever whatever Whatever is needed, man. I will support all of my guys. I don't care who you are, because we're a team. We wear the orange and black. We represent
1: the and we together. So free agency. Talk talk me through that process, because you were brought back. I think a couple weeks after the league year began, and I know a lot of fans. You know, they they see you on Twitter. That you're working out with the Bengals helmet. they kind of gave us indications, like, hey, maybe this guy wants to stick around. And then you were finally brought back, I think, a couple weeks after very Tuesday began. Did you have an inclination that that was going to happen or were you just kind of going through the process like you have been for a couple times in the past couple of
2: years? Uh, I had a lot of communication with our coaches and, you know, teams call, coaches call. I'm here, you know, and I'm happy. That's really what it comes down to, man. You know, I'm here
0: and I'm happy. I'm ready to get it rocking. (laughs) well one of the last times we talked to you we went through some of your your crazy workout regimen that you did through the pandemic i i I guess you know obviously you were getting yourself in shape my co-host just mentioned that you were rocking the Bengals helmet and doing a lot of different workouts to get to get prepped for free agency was there was there a different any kind of differing uh mindset or different workouts that you went through i know you're doing you know before when we talked to you you you're doing the yoga you're doing all kinds of different stretching a lot of different uh resistance pro uh programs and all of that was there a change up this year in terms of your workouts? Are you looking to change it up? Whether that's because, you know, the pandemic is, you know, changing, I guess, a little bit. What are you doing with your workouts these days? I know that's a big part of you in, in this point in your career. Uh, so my uh, technique coach, Jay Caldwell with TBR training,
2: I've been working with him every week. And the biggest thing we're doing is uh, total body and, and endurance. You know, we're at another game. And you, gotta you, you, you know, we're, we're, got, got to be ready for that. You know, we got to be ready for 17-plus, right? So you got to train for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, like, the, the, like you mentioned, there's an extra game in this season. Like, is that, is that something that – obviously, we all kind of expected that that was going to happen. It's been in the makings for about a year now. But is that something that, you know, you, that you support, that, that you feel like is, is generally accepted amongst the players? Like, how are you kind of approaching that – Now that it's like, you know, it's 10 years into your career.
2: I'll say this it gives more opportunity for some more. Come on, man. You know, (laughs) like, I'm, 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 I I am ecstatic. I I think you guys did that right. Uh, A couple of extra games. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. You know (laughs) what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, right? And we got the right quarterback and the right coach for it. We get – I am a football fan before I played football. How many times have you seen these many free agents come to Cincinnati? It's
1: rare. I mean, it's rare. Exactly.
2: Bringing that big brother mentality that I mentioned uh, on on TV one time where we went to play Pittsburgh on Monday night, and instead of, okay, we're playing against the Steelers, we don't win in prime time. They're the Steelers we got guys that are used to playing in the big games against the big teams and beating them, being in the Super Bowl, being big and winning big playoff games, right? So when you have that attitude into a locker room, yeah. Then you have Joey Burrow. The guy's a winner. Yeah, come on, come on, little brother syndrome. Get that out of here, man.
0: Well, that let's, symptom out of here. <laughs> well, let's talk about that a little bit, because you you were uh, seen pretty uh, a- a- after the Steelers win, you were seen in the locker room, uh, you know, celebrating that at, rightfully so. Uh, in, a, in I guess what what does that you know, in a somewhat lost season, what does a game like that, a victory like that mean on primetime TV? And what does that mean even maybe going to the rest of the guys on the team going forward in 2021 in, in terms of a building block? Because that's a game that's not usually won by the Cincinnati Bengals, particularly on primetime. And you're talking about getting rid of that little brother syndrome. Is, is that kind of the direction that you feel things are changing just from that one win alone?
2: Well, it more just stems from a winning mentality. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm bought into it. They are, too. Coaches, players, organization. They're really bought into that winning mentality. I'm not saying it hasn't been there before. I remember there's been some really good seasons with Cincinnati, but it just feels a little different this time around. Right. There's more of a we know we can do it. We know we can do it versus, hey, we have a chance. We beat (laughs) <laughs> an 11-win mm-hmm. big brother with a third-string quarterback on Monday night. <clears throat> a lot mm-hmm. of boxes checked right there, right? And it comes to the players' coach. Like, I run through a wall for that, man. Well, I know 50-plus other guys who would, too, including the new ones who just signed because they signed for a reason, right? And I, I keep speaking to that, speaking to a lot of guys who have winning playoff championship mindset and experience. And that's what it's all about. Coaches can do so much, but it's up to the players to bring that right mindset. And we got the right guys for it. We look at we look at our competitors as we're you guys are the next team. Not that you're some giant mountain for us to climb, because a lot of us are used to being that mountain. So there is, we need to, you know, we're trying to build that here in Cincinnati. sense.
1: There is a difference between talking about it and actually seeing it, and I think that was such a change for us who have covered and followed the team for so long. But speaking about, you know, players coming to the Cincinnati Bengals, including now we're seeing division rivals come to Cincinnati Bengals, including your new teammate Larry Joby, who I think we all knew was very close with Geno Atkins, and you're obviously close with Geno as well. What, what did you really know about Larry coming into, I guess, this, this process? And have you gotten to know him now? And, like, you know, what, what's your take on you know, playing with him now at that three-technique spot?
2: I knew Larry. You know, um, he's a big anime guy just like me. <laughs> and him and I have always kept in contact. Uh, we, we never had a chance to really meet outside of, you know, post-game speaking to each other. So for him and I to be in the same locker room, in the same meeting room lined up next to each other that's going to be really really cool right there so uh, I know a lot more about Larry um, than it seems and uh, I I love the rotation of the team seriously like we are looking strong like strong and I'm really excited about that right like our our D line it, it looks different than last year looks look, look look
0: stronger just just looks stronger right well you got me you got me sold I, I know there's there's some questions that <laughs> your enthusiasm has me sold there's been some questions on our end in terms of of I mean I, I think we're, we're cautiously optimistic about things but you've got us excited before I ask you about an announcement the Bengals have been making really and teasing over the past couple of weeks and your thoughts on that we did get a live question you mentioned anime right there we got roar sports media asking what anime are you watching right now mike do you have one that's in the uh in the queue that you may want to share i know like you said you're a big anime guy you said larry is as well but uh you got one there that you want to share with the with the live listeners and or those listening after the fact yeah
2: so uh Jujutsu Kaisen that everybody's watching i'm sure and uh, make sure you have uh, World Sports ask uh, DM me regarding that, you know, because <laughs> uh, I, I would definitely like to um, go into that one as well with them. But, yeah, for sure. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, I watched a couple – seven times I do some throwbacks. Like, I watched some Yu-Gi-Oh last night, right, just take it, take it back a little bit old school. Um, I started Doro Hedoro on uh, Netflix uh, about a month or so ago, and that's, that's, a, that's a strange one. You know, <laughs> so uh, uh, those those are few.
1: I, I wasn't planning to ask this question. I'm sorry, Anthony, if I cut you off, but no, I feel correct. like I just ha- I just feel like I have to because it kind of comes up every time that we talk, Mike. Like you have this incredible enthusiasm and passion for Zach Taylor. You've only played under him for like 10 games. You've only been here for about a year now. Like like we're like. Could, could you best, like, explain that to just – because, uh, I mean, there are, there are a lot of still critics and, you know, skeptics about Taylor as a coach, and we don't really know a lot about him as a person. So, like, what what gives you that enthusiasm for a coach that only has six wins in two years? He,
2: he knows how to take care of his vets. And very much like when uh, McVay went to the Rams, how he took care of his vets. They ended up in the Super Bowl, and now they're a year-in, year-out playoff team, right? Uh, When you walk into a locker room and you give respect, respect's going to be given back, right? And that's what I'm noticing. That's what I see, and that's just what it is. Uh, You know, it, it, it doesn't take long to know if you like a guy, and Zach's a man of his word he he he's a, he's a stand up dude man
0: well that's good to hear i know there there are some there have been some questions uh about that but i there's been other players there have been other players that have been echoing those those sentiments there about him and and hopefully this is that big year 3 we see that big jump you seem to be sold on it you're selling us on it and i'm i'm buying it so i, I like what what you're what you're telling us here talking with mike daniel's former pro bowler and current defensive Lineman for the Cincinnati Bengals, joining us on the Orange and Black Insider once again. Happy to have him with us, Mike. the The team has been teasing, teasing us, teasing us, teasing us all spring about these jerseys. There's been some leaks. It's kind of like, are, are those them? Are those not them? I don't know if you've got a glimpse at them. I don't know what you can and can't tell us about anything you've seen. But uh, what are you looking forward to on these things? Are you looking for more a, a simplistic look? Uh I, I know you like the helmet. You've been working out in that thing in some videos there, and they're keeping <laughs> <laughs> <you. Yes. laughs> but what what do you what are you hoping for in terms of you know the jerseys, the uniform combos, and what what are you hoping to see out of that? Oh man, uh the,
2: the, the bang the, the bangles are always fashionably fire, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like I, I've 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 had you know very um, traditional uh, looks in my career, uh, college. You know, Green Bay, Detroit, Bengals. They they got some. They got some <laughs> unique looks, man. And I, I look. I trust the process. All right. <laughs> I trust yeah. the process. Okay. So Fair it goes, enough, man, It's going gonna, it's gonna to be good.
1: <laughs> I mean, anything looks better than your college uniform because that's basically a ripoff of the Steelers. I mean, well, let's be honest.
2: Well, uh, but it, that's what it is. And yeah. it was more of a psychological thing because Coach Hayden Fry wanted to get the guys to feel like winners. And at that time, that's when the Steelers were beating everybody up all crazy. And lo and behold, Iowa ended up becoming a powerhouse in the 80s. Yeah, That's a thing. <laughs> that's true.
1: I mean, going off of that sentiment, I guess there has been another announcement that the team made about the Ring of Honor that they announced about a week ago. And this may be a weird question, I guess, from our audience's perspective, because this is only going to be your second year with the team. But as somebody who has been in the NFL for a long time and hasn't been with the Bengals that often, did the, did the announcement of the Ring of Honor kind of – did that make an impact on your perception of the organization as a team that yes, has been in the league yes. for 54 years and just not I'm a doing it?
2: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Because, once again, I talked about being committed to – winning right you have to honor those that came before you those that 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 paved the the way those have that that have done it the right way you can look up in the stadium and take a sense of pride like you know i'm gonna be the next him i'm gonna be the next him i may get my name up there one day it, it's like motivation that, that, that that's 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 yes absolutely you gotta have that man and for, for the organization to, to take that step that, that goes to show that there's a different um there's a different feeling in the air sense of, of of commitment more of a championship mindset and that's what it takes it takes those type of things take pride in your heritage and your lineage so it's all about
0: Mike, I don't know if you have been paying close attention or not to some of the things that the fan base and those outside of the, the organizational walls have been talking about, but there's a little bit of a debate going on as to what the team should do with its number five overall pick. I um, mean, there's there's a contingent of people that say, hey, trade back and collect more picks and get more pieces that way. Uh, some And some folks say, hey, get the, get the offensive linemen whether it's uh, Oregon tackle Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern or get the exciting wide receiver Jamar Chase out of LSU, reunite him with Joe Burrow. Do you have a, do you have a, a horse in that race? Do you, do you have some, someone that you would like to see the, the Bengals get at number five and or a, a position that you think should be addressed? or uh, what, 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 are you, what are you hoping the team does in a couple of weeks here? What I hope is
2: I want a tough guy. Whether it's the O lineman, another D lineman, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, uh, t- I, I don't. I want a tough guy, a tough minded, champion minded guy, a winner. At that point, it doesn't matter what position he is, because he's going to continue to add onto the direction that the organization is going, and that that's what we need. That's what we need in order to. Um, get to where we want to get to, right? And you know, jeez, um, it, it's a tough call, right? Our, our, the guys upstairs, you know, our gym, our gym, they, he's got a he got a lot of got, got a lot of tough, uh, you know, he's got a out for him in this one. I will, I will say especially in the age of social media where everybody's making demands. It's like, <laughs> well, if I get this guy, then I know the church is going to sell. Right. You just don't know, right? You don't know. But for Mike Daniels, I want a tough guy. I want a guy who's going to play win. with that edge because we're in the AFC North, man. We're the toughest division in football. The whole league knows it. NFC West has always kind of, you know, been back and forth, uh, uh, trying to push that in the last few years. But, the A- AFC North since the dawn of the AFC North, you know, I think it was AFC Central, but it's, it's just been tough. A tough, tough division. And we need tough, tough guys to dominate the division. That's it.
1: Tough guy and winner. Jamar Chase won the national championship. I'm putting Mike Daniels down as Team Chase. I <laughs> <hear her.
2: laughs> it all adds up.
0: Can you tell what Team John's on, by the way? What happened? I'm sorry. I said, like, can you tell what team John is on? By the way, he's he's, he's already pushing oh, for two no, days. he went, he went Slater, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what big ten guy. Sense. Makes sense. Uh, well, Mike, I know you are uh, very active on on social media, and and I know football is a big part of your life, but family is a is an even bigger part of it. And I know. You like to showcase a little bit of fun that you you have with your family, and one of the things that came out recently was you. I'll have to try and cue up the video if I can. I've been trying to find it, but it is you playing. I, I get. I think it was on a date night with your with your lovely wife, and you were doing Dance Dance Revolution, a game I have not played at least not an arcade version in a very long time. I was awful at it, so uh, I'll have to cue that up, but. Is, is this a game you have, like, in your house and you, you rock it all the time? Or is this something you guys went out and you're like, hey, Dance Dance Revolution, that's my jam. I got to do it. Uh Like, uh, what's the deal with this?
2: Um, for my bachelor party, my brother drove around the city of Chicago trying to find an arcade with Dance Dance Revolution. Give you an idea. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> that's not a lie. <laughs> that's not a lie. When you see this, he's going to at you guys, like, yeah, no, this is the truth. Um, Yeah, so I had it, you know, back when it was hot. Uh, in the early 2000s, I want to say specifically 2003 and four. I used to play a lot back then, and um, you know, I saw it in the arcade. I played maybe once in L.A., right? And I and that was two years ago, so since high school, I've not I played it twice. Once in L.A. two years ago, and then a couple Fridays ago. So I, I actually shocked myself that my Feet and hips were just as good at go about to be at uh, about to be 32 years old and 310 pounds versus 14 years old and 150 pounds. So I'm like, oh yeah, there we go.
0: <laughs> yeah, here you go, right here, man. Here you go, right <laughs> here.
2: Arrows, I'm, Look hitting, at that. I'm hitting the arrows. <laughs> did you get a high score? <laughs> right. Yeah, well, so well, for that one, so it's two songs. One of them I did get the high score. The other one, I think I came just short of it, but I'm a- make sure I get back so I can't get the high score. I'm competitive, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Plus, and, and now and it's training, too.
1: It, it is, that's yeah. yeah.
2: That's I mean, training uh, right there. It, it makes that's, sense, that's, man. That, there you go, man. So, you know, slow feet don't eat, baby. Big man got to move. <laughs> Big man got to build a move.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess I guess we'll we'll leave you with this. We we've taken up a, a bunch of your time and we appreciate it. Where what, what do you have a prediction? I mean, I know it's hard to say at this point in time, but where where do you think the team at this point is is headed in terms of you know you had three teams in this division that made the playoffs last year. Right, you right. you know you. You guys were 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 scrappy at the end there, and I know there was a lot of injuries. But uh, you know, Joe Burrow coming back, you seem to be pretty excited. I mean, do you feel that truly the sky is the limit for this team in 21 going into this year? Or, you know, I, I guess give us give us your read on things. I know you're excited, but give us your read on things in terms of direction of the team in 21. We're going to compete. Bottom line.
2: mic drop want to compete the literal mic drop
0: i mean
1: there's nothing more that needs to be said yep yep
0: well mike we we greatly appreciate the time and we always love having you on i i hope we can have you on again soon we you know again we were hoping for like 10 or 15 minutes and you gave us close to 30 it's unbelievable we we appreciate your generosity this program seriously it's always awesome talking with you a lot of laughs a lot of great insight and to be quite honest with you, it was, it was pretty refreshing hearing your enthusiasm uh, about the team and, and the direction that things are heading this year. Uh, we're we're very excited to have you back as a Cincinnati Bengal, both from our show standpoint, a fan standpoint, and, and I know the team's excited to have you back. So thank you so much for all of your time. Get some more dance, dance revolution in, man. When I see, you, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go go head to head with you. You'll probably beat my butt, but uh, you know, get some get if, some other if work in like there.
2: Cincinnati, I'll take the whole team, and we can get it in. <laughs> That'll, I, you know, if, if we're not going to be able to report, right, then I'm going to make sure I get the guys together. We find the – what I don't know the layout of Cincinnati just quite yet. We're going to find the RK. I'm sure there's DDR somewhere. And we're going to compete. And my old bangles, no, 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 we're training. Get away. We're training. Get yeah, foot speed, head-eye coordination. We're, you know, we're getting it all together, man. That's that's what we're doing. So, guys, thanks for having me. they Nation, love you guys. Thanks for embracing me. You know, just the way the Bengals uh, Nation has embraced me, I'm I'm super – I had to come back, had to, man. I'm just so thankful to be able to be part of Houday Nation again. Got to seize the day, man. Get after it, and I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again.
0: Yeah, well, we'd love to have you back on, man. I'm, I seriously, you're, you're like our favorite guy that we've, we have on this program, and uh, we can't thank you enough for coming on again, and welcome back to Cincy. We're, we're, we're looking That's forward right. to doing some good things uh, this year, man. You got it. Make sure I'll right.
2: make sure. All
0: right, Thanks take it easy, time. Mike. Stay, stay healthy, man. Thanks, guys. Later, right. Mike Daniels, uh, courtesy of EAG Sports, joining us. Uh, wow, just I, 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 I am a little bit pleasantly surprised as to some of the things he said about the coaching staff and his. Um, I don't know. I guess his fervor for them, his his rallying behind them. I, I mean, I, I know he. That's kind of what players do, John. But uh, you know, he seems to be all in on the Zach Taylor train here. And that's, uh, that's refreshing from a guy who's played a long time in the league and seen a lot of different locker rooms, a lot of different coaching staffs.
1: All in seems to be the understatement of the century. Like, I mean, you, you can, there, there is a palpable morale boost he gives. It's insane. Like, like the comment section's popping off rightfully so, but he just, he knows how to inspire. And I think that's, it's, it's a component of leadership. It's not, the only thing that makes leadership but it is a very integral part and i didn't even realize it until he said it. he is the oldest player on that defense now and it made it so much sense why they brought him back for obvious
0: reasons but i mean he can just light up the room and that's exactly what he does on here every single time yeah one of our seriously one of our favorite guys and we we can't thank his representation enough for allowing us the opportunity to talk to him again. It was, it was really funny, you know, right. I think the day after he signed, we, we reached out to them and just kind of said, Hey, does, does Mike want to come back on? And once that email was sent, there was already one before it was even received coming our way saying, Hey, you know, he wants to come on the program again. And that, uh, It's just awesome. It's just awesome, and uh, part of our continuing draft coverage. You know, we had Richmond Webb last week. We got Mike Daniels this week. We're hoping to have some more guests coming up here as the draft rolls on here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, good stuff, John. Good stuff. I mean, DDR is the new OTAs. I
1: guess that's
0: what (laughs) it is. Did you you ever play that game? Did you play? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I was pretty good at it. Not not as good as Mike. I mean, like I mean, honestly, like that's. People don't understand how athletic big guys are and he can move his feet tremendously quick. I was just like eight when I
0: played it, but he would beat my ass probably. (laughs) That was pretty impressive. I think he he looked like he, he, you know, it's funny. He said on his bachelor party, (laughs) they were searching for that thing. Oh my gosh. That's, that's hysterical. Uh, Well, look, our thanks again to Mike Daniels. And if you haven't had a chance yet, go check out the interview with Richmond Webb. He spent about 30 or 40 minutes with us last week. We got another 30 minutes with Mike Daniels here talking all things Bengals, a little dance dance revolution, a little anime as well, getting to know the, the big man who is returning to Cincinnati. We're all excited about that. This is the orange and black insider Bengals podcast podcast. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He's John Sheeran. You can get this program on your favorite audio streaming platform, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of those. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And get all of our videos, not only of our live stream shows that we do, our Monday, uh, you know, news uh, news headline comb over that we do, and. All kinds of different stuff, but we also do prospect previews. Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk is on our YouTube channel as well, so check out all that stuff. Subscribe, leave us a review, and we appreciate the support. John, we talked about a little bit with Mike. I know you've got to state your case coming up here. We also have a prospect preview we want to get to, but let's just talk a tiny bit more about these jerseys, man. Uh, the, the Bengals on Wednesday drop some more knowledge or – I guess, lack of knowledge in terms of what these things are looking like, but they keep teasing us and they keep putting out cool videos and a lot of cool promos on this. So kudos to them. But uh, how how are you feeling about, I guess, it sounds like the ones that were leaked, what were they the eBay ones or whatever, a few weeks ago, it sounds like those are the ones that will be kind of the jerseys Uh, to my, am I wrong in that? I, (laughs) that's kind of what I've been hearing about, about what these jerseys will be looking like.
1: So we never both got to talk about this on air. I feel like when they were, they were leaked, we never really talked about it when that happened. But it never made sense why people didn't believe that those were the real things because there was an article on Bangles.com like it just got released today, um, right after they announced the reveal date on on April nineteenth. That this is a two year process at least. This is what it always is. Like they are in collaboration with nike for for the design in the nfl and it's a whole it's a whole multi-year process to like you know filter through designs and renders and then go through a bunch of focus groups and stuff like that but like this has been a long time in the making so to see it out there replicated somewhere in the middle of china on, on on ebay you know like on a on a hanger like that was never not what it was going to be and i think the people who saw it and didn't love it Wanted to basically throw denial at that, but that was always what it was going to be. It may not be a hundred percent exactly like it because it was a manufactured replica of what it actually was, which is why they got their hands on it in the first place. But that's it, like we've seen the orange and black versions of it, we haven't seen the white version, and we haven't seen the pants. Those are the things that we will see on Monday, April 19th at 9 a.m. But yeah. Apparently there are like nine apparent combinations per Elizabeth Blackburn. And -hmm. I think she said that uh, we will not see, we probably won't see all nine this upcoming season, which I think is pretty normal. Like they'll they'll tease a certain amount of combos, but they'll save like maybe one or two um, for the, the next year or so. And that honestly, Anthony, I don't know about you, to me that signaled a potential retro um, uh, type of addition because I don't know if if they're waiting on uh, specific rules with the helmets for them to be able to use multiple helmets maybe that is what that indicates if not I'm assuming that maybe they just want to get a certain number of combinations through this season because remember they only had like six I think in previous seasons including the color rush yeah. uh, version so now this is up to nine they only had like 17 games so they. I'm assuming they're not going to go through all nine this year but really the only thing we haven't seen with our own eyeballs, is the white jersey and the actual
0: pants. How are the pants different than what they were in the last 16 years? Fantastic point about the throwback. Uh, you know, if you remember when when Ken Anderson was on the program, he said he would really when we were talking uniforms with him, he really wanted to see the throwback with the with the old pumpkin head. Uh, you know, with the Bengals <laughs> on the side there. You talked about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope they do that, and it would be right, really, in the wheelhouse of what they've been strategically doing this offseason, last off season with the ring of honor, you know, bringing guys back to talk about the new uniform. I mean, you saw in this video today, Chad Johnson was in the video and, and, you know, they, they talked to Anthony Munoz about the ring of honor and all these, all this kind of like hearkening back to their great history and their great historical players. It would be to come out with a throwback type of uniform would be just right up that, that alley that they've strategically been been paving really over the last year or so. I don't know for sure if that's where it's headed, but I, I think that's a great point by you that that very well could be in the rotation of what they're what they're doing here. I I still maintain in terms of what I'm looking forward to the most of the of the aesthetics of it. I really like the if if it truly is there that Paul Brown signature, whether it's you know on the front or in the back collar, or you know even if it's inside, you can kind of see. I just think that's a really unique, cool touch. Uh, and again, go, calling back to the history of the team. That you know, I, I don't know how that's going to be displayed necessarily. It looked like if those eBay jerseys are the ones that they'll be rolling with there, um, that it looked like it was on the inside of the jersey or inside of the collar. But that was something I just—it's a—it's a small thing I know, but I, you know, the stripes can look cool. The salt, the more solid color of the jerseys could look pretty cool. But I like that touch of the the signature personally. I think that's a really unique thing.
1: The one th- common. Um, description of the the teases that we've heard from the actual team has been just clean. I think that's been the one common thing when they when they're describing and teasing the uniforms in itself. And I think that tie to Paul Brown himself. I think that kind of coincides mm-hmm. with that because, like, the original Bengals jerseys, they're, they're the quote unquote knockoffs of what the Browns looked like. But then Paul Brown famously said, "Yeah, but who knocked off who?" Because those were the uniforms that I originally designed in the first place. Right. You know? So I feel like these. Are a combination of the stripes that plenty of Bengals fans became Bengals fans because of the stripes in the first place, but also ties back to a more classic and clean look that you know people who in the '70s grew up watching, and that's like the original type of Bengals uniform. So I feel like it is that combination of both, honoring their past um, history, but while keeping that same modern uh, stripe flash as well. In terms of what I, I guess selfishly look for from an aesthetic per- perspective, I feel like this is the time. I don't know if you agree with this, Anthony for the oranges to be the primary. I feel like like it it is the one thing that I think they do better than the Browns, like the Browns when they came out with this orange jerseys a couple years ago, they did not look really good with them and their orange helmet. I feel like the Bengals can do better and they had, and they did better with their orange jerseys this past 16 year span. I feel like with the jerseys they have now, it's more clean. There's no orange stripes on on a black background. that make no sense. It's just black stripes on an orange background that matches the helmet I feel like this is the time to make that the primary, to make it truly feel like a new generation of uniform. And I feel like that is like, you know, the Steelers are black, the Ravens are purple, the Browns are brown, Bengals, oranges, Bengals, Tigers, they're orange. I feel like that is what can separate them. And I'll obviously have the white tiger type of white jersey as like the main all main away, which is what I think we all expect. Like the, the white jersey is going to very much reminisce what the color rush from the past couple years look like.
0: I, I like the, at least certain mock-ups I've seen of the black on black, the black, the black pants with the black jersey. That looks pretty, pretty nice. But I do think it is a good time to more, at least more heavily use the, the orange jerseys because the ones they have that they've had since 2004, the current, the current ones, I guess, if you want to still call them current, the. That doesn't, there's too much going on. It's too wild, right. you know, stuff down the sides and everything. I, I think this is a good time to your point there. I think this is a good time to to more heavily utilize the orange jersey because it's supposedly going to be a cleaner look. There's not going to be as much wild stuff going on on the side. It's basically <laughs> going to be orange, some striping on the shoulders, you know, and then the, the numbering, the the name on the back. And that could look pretty clean with that, with that orange helmet. Now, I you know, I don't know if they would go orange pants with that, white pants, whatever, but I, I do, I do like that idea because I currently the orange Jersey, the all orange Jersey, isn't my favorite. The one from, from that started in 2004, just because it just kind of seems a little disjointed. There's just a lot, like I said, there's just a lot of different. It's a great word for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, I don't know. Um, But I think, I think this is, a, this would be a good time to more heavily utilize the uh, the, the orange Jersey and in, in do something with that. Uh, I don't know if it'll be the, (laughs) I don't want it to be necessarily like a creamsicle look, but uh, you know, I I think, I think that there's a, a, it could look very, very clean and much cleaner than the current Jersey that they use.
1: I don't know. Like the most annoying topic about this whole thing when they first leaked was the whole number thing. I personally don't have an issue with the number font. I don't know why people got so up in arms with that, but apparently because it's not the traditional, like block look block. That, that was from the, like the late nineties uniforms or whatever. It got people on there on, on everything. I, I, I personally don't have an issue with the new font. I feel like there's only like a certain, there's only a few number of fonts that you can actually have. I feel like they're not all that much different than what they are. And this one at least has some type of unique type of sharp edge towards the end where they're not all just like completely round. Like like, I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I never really got that whole angle of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least it is. It's not the, remember the, the one from the Buccaneers a couple of years ago, like the digital alarm clock. Right. Like, you, like you can only, you <laughs> can
1: only mess it up. You, like, there's, there's so many ways to get fonts right, right. And there's very little ways to get it wrong. And that was an example of when they did it wrong objectively. <laughs> and I feel like whatever font they have now, it's, it's fine. It, yeah. there's, there's no, no reason to get upset about it.
0: Yeah. Well, they're, they're going to unveil them 9 a.m. Eastern, so bright and early for me. 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern, Monday morning. We will be going on the air. Uh, John, I, I hope you can join me for the water cooler chat Monday. We will go a little later because inevitably, every single time <laughs> I take the air, every time there's news that breaks. Last week, I took the air, and lo and behold, you know, there was what, what – geo news and Jersey news. I don't know. There was just all kinds of stuff. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So we will go on the air after the Jersey announcement. We'll be talking a lot about that obviously. And we'll be talking more about that on Wednesday, but um, it sounds like John, you are in the most favor of, you know, or you are the most excited about seeing the orange Jersey. I like that idea. I, I like the, the all black Jersey as well. The black on black. I think that would look pretty neat, pretty clean based on, uh, some mock-ups that I've seen, but exciting. I mean, it's a, it's an exciting offseason for the Bengals. They've announced a ring of honor. They've got some the new jerseys coming up. They've got the number five overall pick. So there's a lot of excitement, and we've been pretty excited over the last couple of weeks on this show because we've had Richmond Webb on the program. We've had Mike Daniels on the program. We've been pretty psyched and pretty blessed to have those guys on our show. Before we get to state your case, John, I know that you – want to i'm going to put you on the spot do you want to tell us about symbol our most recent partnership that we have developed on the program
1: you have read my mind anthony yes that's right symbol our sponsor is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams just like stocks and if it sounds that easy it is that easy everyone you know you know what teams are good and what teams are bad everyone has so much information about what what's going on in the sports world what better way to utilize that knowledge than to invest in a stock market that allows you to profit off of team success and their failures. Symbol gives you a way to earn money off of that knowledge without the high fees and the high losses of gambling. It's not gambling, it's investing. And that's a very important description to make. You can use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. It's really that its really that simple. And all you have to do is visit www.symbol.com symbol.app that's www.simbull.app or you can visit the link in our description symbol.app backslash opi and that description is very important because when you click on that link you can create a free account and use the promo code obi for a ten dollar deposit bonus again the draft is coming up in two weeks Bengals are going to take player x make that team better increase the stock price for the sim bangles so you better invest before that happens again that's www.simbull.app symbol.app www.simbull.app backslash obi use the promo code obi for a ten dollar deposit bonus when you sign up
0: symbol great stuff we had kenneth giles their ceo on our program a couple weeks ago great guy Great bay packer fan he would have liked our interview that we had with mike daniels today then mm-hmm. um, but great guy great company please Go check them out. It's a lot of fun and a a cool thing to add to your uh, fantasy sports type of repertoire. If you're doing fantasy football and whatnot, it's a cool thing to add into it. John, it's time for one of our favorite segments of the week. We've got a state your case and you are up this week, sir. Let's get to it in just a sec.
1: So I just want to start the state your case with r- real quick, just a quick tangent. Shout out to Chris Hubbard of the Facebook comment section. I know he's been waiting for the show for a long time because the Bengals signed Thaddeus Moss, and I bet he wants me to talk about that. <laughs> but I'm not going to talk about that with my state your case. My state your case is going to be more along the lines of the draft. Of course, Thaddeus Moss is in the last draft. People wanted to spend a draft pick on Thaddeus Moss. But of course, that wasn't the smart thing to do because he was released and the Bengals claimed him off of waivers after just one year, whatever. This year with the Bengals draft, I know there's been a lot of talk about the first round, what the Bengals should do. They've obviously narrowed it down to a couple of candidates, i.e. Pene Sewell, Jamar Chase. Kind of looks like they're leaning towards one way more than the other, but that's not what this is really going to be about. I know that topic has dominated Bengals Twitter for the better part of two weeks and it's felt like two years, to be honest with you. I want to talk about more about the second and third round, and I think we're going to see something similar to what we saw last year. So it's very easy to identify Bengals trends in the draft. They're pretty much more the same. They do the same things basically every year, obviously need and value kind of dominate what they do in the draft, but they also have specific areas of, of which of where they invest in terms of which types of players that they, that they like to draft obviously team captains, you know, productive players, but also, you know, a common thing throughout the years is that the Bengals, They only like guys who played against top competition, right? You know, the big school guys, the power five guys, the SECs, the guys who you know there's limited projection in terms of how they're going to be in the NFL. And I don't know if you want to call Wyoming a small school, but you know, when the Bengals drafted Logan Wilson at the top of the third round, it wasn't, I guess, a huge surprise, but it it more or less kind of bucked the trend from what we usually see from the Bengals. They don't, they typically like to stay with those power five schools those players that, you know, we, we know throughout the process, we know they played against top tier competitions. So Logan Wilson was more or less kind of a, a change in that pace, just because, you know, he was a really older prospect and he played well in the senior bowl. And, you know, it, it wasn't like them to draft a mountain West guy that early in the draft, but I think we kind of see that again this year. And I'm going to make a prediction, I guess, uh, uh, call your shot. If you will combine with the state, of your case, I think the Bengals take at least one smaller school guy, compared to a Wyoming guy in the first three rounds. I don't know who that's going to be. We can talk about a guy that you know that could be in our draft profile series, but I think specifically in terms of offensive line, say they don't take Pneis School in the first round, or say they do, and they want to double down in the second round at that same position, I think two guys that we really have to take notice of is Dylan Bradens of North Dakota State and Quinn Marines, I believe I'm saying his last name right, out of Wisconsin Whitewater. I think... The interest in both of those guys is extremely real. Bengals were present at both of their pro days. They both dominated, not just played well and just showed up at the senior bowl. They dominated the senior bowl. R- Radens, Radins, I believe he, I think was the practice MVP of the week. He played a both guard and tackle for whatever North or South team that he was on. And, you know, Quinn dominated and, and stole the show with, with his belly exposed <laughs> up behind his, behind his pads. Like, I believe that both of those players are very high on the Bengals board once they enter round two. And if they're still looking to add to the offensive line group, if if they're adding for the first guy that they're drafting or just tacking on to Panay Sewell, I think both of those guys are going to be in serious competition, serious contention because we talk about, you know, this offensive line class is deep. Well, who makes up that deep offensive line class? You know, there's, there's plenty of people out there that said, Oh, well the best guys they are going to be off the board by the time the Bengals pick in the second round, Alex Leatherwood, Tevin Jenkins, Samuel Cosby, those guys are gonna get picked off in the late first round or the early second round. So what if that what if that does happen? What if there isn't a true, you know, first round guy that makes it through to the second round? What do the Bengals do if they're still looking for offensive linemen? I think we could very well see like the, the smallest school prospect, if you will, drafted this high by the Bengals in, in recent memory or maybe of all of all time. I don't think the Bengals have ever taken a player that came from a school as small as Wisconsin Whitewater, but I do believe that that interest in Quinn is very real. I actually got a text from my buddy who or who, who works with Wisconsin Whitewater team. Marin has just had an interview with the Bengals, and apparently he killed it. Like, So there, there's definite interest with them checking him out at the Pro Day. They obviously saw him at the Senior Bowl. They've been keeping up with him throughout the process. I don't know where he's going to go. I think he's been projected to go anywhere between the second and third round. But if, if they're looking at their options, and maybe – Maybe, maybe if they trade down in the second round, like they they did that three consecutive years from 2017 to 2019, I think either of those guys would be prime candidates because we don't know who in terms of offensive linemen is going to be available in the second round. But I think both of those guys, I think we have to keep an eye on them. And we we can't, we can't just keep with this. Oh, Bengals only take guys from the SEC, the ACC, the guys from the big schools. I think we kind of have to push that narrative to the side here and recognize that these guys are really talented players And these are two players that make up how deep this offensive line class is, and we have to recognize that.
0: I'm looking at the Bengals roster, John, and I'm having, I mean, I'm looking at the the guys who are not on the reserve future list, that is. I, I mean, I'm having trouble coming up with Players who have played outside of the the those Power Five, and, and I'm, I guess you can throw in Notre Dame in there because they're not really part of a conference; they're independent. But I mean, they're kind of one of those big football schools, if you will. I'm having a hard time coming up counting players beyond one hand that you know went to small small schools. But as what we'll talk about a player in just a second who is coming from a smaller school. They drafted Logan Wilson, to your point, out of Wyoming last year. And there are a couple of uh, – those two names that you mentioned, I don't know if they're going to be around as, as late as round three. Those guys both might be round two guys. Both of those guys made themselves a lot of money during Senior Bowl week. Uh, you know, the, you may see them take two small small school prospects by the time day two is done. Now, that may be against what they normally do. They Whether it's Marvin Lewis – or whether it's Zach Taylor, whoever, Duke Tobin is still in that, in that say that group that has a say in terms of the draft, the players that they draft. And he likes those big school guys. He likes the, particularly the sec guys. There's no doubt about that. You know, they love the level of competition that's played there. They love just the overall talent pool that is showcased within those, those teams. But There may be, because of need, because of just talent coming out of some of these small schools, there may be a couple of guys in rounds two to four that are from quote-unquote small schools, quote-unquote non-football schools, that the Bengals look at drafting and do take to round out their roster coming up here in the next couple of weeks. There are a lot of good players, a lot of guys who are testing very, very well in terms of athleticism and whatnot that are coming out of these schools can really help them right away at some of these critical positions and you know a couple of the guys that you mentioned particularly on the offensive line should be very intriguing to them
1: I think offensive line is a great place to kind of knit that narrative in the bud because so there's, there are plenty of quality offensive linemen in the NFL now Ali Marpet is a great example of this for the Buccaneers the Buccaneers like like started a bunch of guys from smaller schools along the offensive line. Their offensive line was fine. I think people think that, you know, small schools, they don't get a lot of great coaching. They're not really good athletes. If you have a guy who tests like Aradins or, or Menerez, like who are in the clear 90th percentile in those athleticism categories, you know, that athleticism translates against NFL athletes because that's who they're being compared to. And for the most part, it's almost the opposite in terms of technique and coaching. Like those guys, they have to maximize their technique because that's how they can win the most. Like they're not getting practice a- against guys who are going to be playing for NFL contracts, right? They're, they're, playing against guys who are just, you know, business majors more or less like who aren't, who aren't going to play <laughs> in the NFL. Like, like, so they have to perfect their craft if they want to end up in the NFL and they, if they want to last long in the NFL. And that, that has been a trend that we've seen in the last couple of years. We've seen some guys who didn't play, in the brightest of lights in college football along the offensive line, you know, be pretty, pretty productive early in their NFL careers. And they're kind of bucking that trend a little bit. And I think it's time for the Bengals to kind of realize that. And I think also with a guy like Frank Pollock, who obviously knows what he's looking at, he's a great teacher of technique and he's a great teacher in terms of concepts of of what to teach. Like, I think he recognizes that you don't have to be from LSU or Alabama or Arkansas or whatever to come into the league ready to, take on an NFL playbook and take on the the things that you need to do to, in order to learn NFL scheme. I think he recognizes that if you have that athleticism and if you have those physical requirements, you are capable of succeeding in the NFL. And that might be a philosophical change from a Duke Tobin led scouting department. But I I think with this year specifically with how the board may come together, those are two names you have to watch out for.
0: And, You know, you see the comment that we pinned up there about Davis Gaylor coming out of Appalachian State. You've got Mitchell Wilcox, an undrafted free agent who was out of South Florida that this team brought in. We mentioned Logan Wilson. You you look here, uh, Mike Thomas, a guy that the Bengals re-signed, a guy who was with the Rams under Zach Taylor, Southern Mississippi. They just brought in Trey Hendrickson, who's from a small school, um, you know, I mean, Larry Ogan Joby, who's from UNC Charlotte. So, I mean, they, they kind of to your point there. I mean, while the, the Bengals themselves like these big school players, they this this staff has kind of said, you know what, I mean, a couple of those names are free agents, obviously, and they didn't draft them, but the point remains that you know they're kind of saying, you know, small school be damned. I mean, you can play and we're, we're going to find a spot for you, and that's that that may be. Very well, maybe the approach, maybe as early as round two. John, I, you may be able to correct me. The the earliest I can remember, at least in recent memory, that the Bengals drafted someone out of a a pretty small school. I, I'm thinking back to round two, back in 08 with Jerome Simpson out of Coastal Carolina. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's someone more recent that's been a higher, you know, a round one or something of that nature. That's just one that kind of pops out to me immediately that I can remember.
1: Not that I know of. I think Simpson is the last, and it's not like it really <laughs> proves proves the case, right? right I guess. Right. But the, well, I mean, but Simpson was a phenomenal athlete. Mm-hmm. It was just a matter of can he, you know, mentally adapt and with with the routes and stuff like that. And he never obviously lived up to that status, but he did give us a cool moment against Arizona. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it really it really does go, come down to how well they adapt in in the scheme and how well they take coaching, and that obviously goes into every evaluation as well. And and really, like it, it's safe to bet on you know, bigger school guys, because that takes a lot of the projection out of it, right? If they're used to, you know, pro style concepts now, well, they can be integrated that quickly. But if you feel confident in your coaching staff and in your scheme, you know, I, I feel like then that, that risk is mitigated and you can just focus on the objective traits, you know, the athleticism, the, the production and whatnot. And just so it's out there, if, if they ask either of those guys to start at right guard, I would feel confident. I think they're that good.
0: That's not, That's kind of the deal with the small school guys. It's it's the the clay to mold, right? And, and this organization and this coaching staff, Mike Daniels kind of said it too. I mean, there are a lot of people who are confident in, in this coaching staff despite there only being six wins under their belt. There are a lot of people who believe that Frank Pollock, regardless of who they do or do not bring in on the offensive line, he is going to fix the issues that have been plaguing them for the past handful of years. They are confident that Zach Taylor is going to work well with Joe Burrow and turn this thing around as soon as 21. I mean, so the point is that you're going to get these guys who have these high athletic profiles from small schools and you bring them to a staff like this, and the hope is that they mold them into productive players using that athletic profile that they have as their background. And, um, you know, I, 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 I would not be opposed to some – especially – some of the names you mentioned on the offensive line on day two, for sure. I mean, those guys look, look the part. Absolutely. Well, let's transition then into this. This segues nicely into our player profile. We're just going to spend a couple minutes on this and we'll, we'll drop the mic and get out of here. But we talked about a couple of small school offensive linemen, John and I are going to tag team this one. It's a kind of a smaller school defensive lineman, one that's getting a lot of run, not only on Twitter, but, amongst draft gurus and all kinds of different, different circles. Milton Williams out of Louisiana tech, a really interesting player, a guy who kind of had early day three designations to him early in the draft process, tested extremely well. And now all of a sudden there's, I saw Lance Zierlein on an NFL.com player profile of him, have him potentially as high as round two. A lot of people think he's going to be called late on night two in round three. So let's let's get to some of the things that I noticed. I know you've got some notes on him as well John, but I, I like sharing this account because this is someone that is very popular this time of year. Kentley Platt at MathBomb on Twitter here is the relative athletics score for Milton Williams. He does have him by the way, if you look at the the size, he does have him down as a defensive end, and we can talk more about that as well. But he has him down as a defensive end, 6'3", 284, 34 reps on the bench. And then, of course, you look at the explosion grade, a 38-and-a-half-inch vertical, a 10-foot 10, 10 broad jump there, and then you see the composite speed grade, great. And you look at a 4 six, 7 40-yard dash, the splits there, and then the agility grade, the shuttle, and the sub-7-second three-cone all of these say, according to Kentley Lee Platt's metrics, this ranked eighth out of a possible 1,361 defensive ends from 1987 to uh, 2021. So that gives you a little bit of a context, and that plays into what we were talking about in terms of the player who – these small school players that have high-end athleticism and – Their profile is this guy's profile is off the charts here. Just a small, uh, I I guess. If you want (laughs) to, this is pretty funny here. This is workout warrior status here. But um, you look here; he's he's. I wish I could say I've done this. 500 500 pounds on the bench, John just puts it up like nobody's business there. And again, I think what I say thirty four reps on the bench for him anyway. So strong, kid. Now, does it always translate to the tape? Y- yes and no. <laughs> I-, I see some inconsistencies. I see some things that need to be worked up, but there's basically over the past two seasons, a guy who has moved all- along the defensive line in a number of different spots, sometimes has kind of played edge, I think, potentially, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, maybe uh, at Math Bomb has him as a defensive end, potentially as a, you know, um, may- maybe that is where some teams project him, whether they play a four three three four, but... Um, you know, that that's dependent upon the scheme, but he played a couple of different spots in there uh, on the defensive line for Louisiana tech was pretty productive, had 10 sacks over the past two seasons. I think he had 19 tackles for loss or something. I, I have to look that up, but four and a half and five and a half sacks, the past two seasons, he was a red shirt junior there. there I'm going to share a couple of little clips here that I saw. And then, you know, I, I did watch some, some other film outside of just these little clips, but these things could pro- provide some, Context here. This is a, a film, a piece of film that is uh, through Brandon Thorne, but Jack Brantall does some draft stuff for Green Bay Packers. And you see the 20, 20.9% pass rush win rate leads all interior def, uh, defenders in the 2021 draft class. Um, so you can kind of see him. He's, he's spotlighted here, uh, gets in there. Um, I think that's against BYU there, uh, against Wilson and, and whatnot. But a couple of nice plays there. And then you see this is Ben Fennel, another popular guy on Twitter, a draft guy there. Let me pull this up for you. You see here he gets into the backfield. That is against the run. That's one of the areas I thought with, there was maybe a little bit of uh, some inconsistency. There was one game I watched. I think it was against Georgia Southern. Um, we had a, a couple of trouble, a couple plays where he was having some trouble uh, being in the right place. But, uh, you know, the, the the plays that he does make, they usually really, really pop off, you know, in terms of a, you know, a tackle for loss, a sack. I mean, they really pop off the tape in terms of, you know, showing his athleticism and whatnot. And we, we would be remiss if we did not show a clip provided by our good friend, Joe Goodberry. Uh, we love this guy. And he has been also a guy who has been all over the... Milton Williams bandwagon you see here a little grainy footage here but he points him out you can see him he gets nice leverage off of the the guard there and then there's another play I think this is the following play here Um, splits him gets in there and forces a bad throw so some of the other things I saw outside of just these little clips like I said I saw some clips against Georgia Southern that I didn't I didn't really like there was a one specific drive where a couple plays it seemed in a row that he seemed to be kind of pushed out of the way and or moved and he didn't show that strength but overall a guy I think is is pretty exciting and should be in the conversation I think at, at a top around 3 for the Bengals.
1: The Bengals have a unique opportunity in a offseason when they watched A.J. Green leave and they released Geno Atkins, they have the opportunity to replace both in one draft, which is which is very rare because they were the faces of the franchise, more or less. They can replace A.J. Green with Jamar Chase, which is what we expect them to do in the first round. And it's been reported since, like, Milden's pro day back in March that if he's there with the 69th pick that the Bengals would – be very, very much interested in taking him at the top of the third round. I think Malik Wright on the Locked on Bengals podcast the other day mentioned that that is a player Mm. that they're expected to target at that pick. And it makes all the sense in the world because for for years, they've been interested in finding the next Geno Atkins, but no one really knows what the next Geno Atkins looks like. So we have to look at what actually matters. You know, coming out of college, the Geno Atkins out of Georgia – was incredibly productive in, in that Georgia defense, maybe not for the volume stats, but just within that Georgia defense, he was productive in all three areas of solo tackles, tackles, for lost sacks. He was incredibly athletic for his size, and he was only 6'1", 290, which is ultimately why he fell down to the fourth round. But he was incredibly athletic, uh, as we all know. He ran like a four seven forty at that size, but teams were just worried he was like undersized. And he was one of the main proponents of why that narrative is BS and why you're seeing guys like Aaron Donald and others and quote unquote undersized defensive tackles get drafted high. Milton Williams is exactly the type of player that you would, that his, his ceiling is Geno Atkins, right? And that that's not, that's not saying it lightly. That's not saying that he is the next Geno Atkins, but if you're looking for the next Geno Atkins, he looks like this. He's extremely athletic. He's extremely productive and he shows the flashes on tape. Defensive tackles are an incredibly hard position to evaluate because it's not always consistent, but you just want to see that explosion pop off. You want to see those flashes. It's not always going to be pretty, and I think that's why Williams isn't this bona fide, you know, first round lock or guy who's projected to go in the high second round. There are issues with, you know, he doesn't always play with great leverage. And he doesn't always find the ball, and that that's understandable. That's fine. That's just that. Those are normal knocks. But the good things, the positives, that is what creates this Geno Atkins like ceiling. And it makes all the sense in the world in the first season without Geno Atkins, they're actually going to find someone that can become that. And it's in the perfect situation, too, because they have Ogunjobi, they have our good friend Mike Daniels to play in front of him to keep that rotation going. They can mentor him for a year and then next year, maybe they re-sign Ogunjobi to another short-term deal. They can implement Williams more in the rotation at that three technique spot. I know he's listed as a defensive end. That's mainly because of Louisiana tech scheme that they ran. They did ran more, more of an odd front scheme, which is why he's listed as a defensive end. That's more of like a five tech four, I type of position. So he wasn't always lining up in the B gap, but when he was lining up in the B gap, that is where you project him to be. That is where he would play his best. And again, it wasn't always perfect, but the flashes are there. The production, the athleticism is there. If he's there at the top of the third round, I honestly do expect the Bengals to take him, which is why I made that prediction. Like you know, the Bengals are going to dip into the small school pool again early in the draft, and it's because I'm I'm pretty confident that they're going to be really, 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 interested in him.
0: Yeah, and I, I there could be I, I kind of just hinted at it because I didn't want to give away that we were going to be talking about this player right away. But <laughs> they could. There's a distinct possibility that they go with one of those small school offensive linemen round two, and then they go right back to the small school well again in round three. And go after Milton Williams. You know, I, I know a lot of the names I'm gonna mention were under Marvin Lewis in in his watch with the Bengals, but round three and round four are is kind of the bread and butter as to where this team likes to draft defensive tackles. You can go back to Andrew Billings. You can go back to Pat Sims. You can go back to Jamada Pico. You can go back to Geno Atkins. These are round three, round four guys. And they, you know, Devin Still was round two. Brandon Thompson was round three. I mean, they they like those round three, round four defensive tackles. They like to try and get value, and they like to try and get um, some, some – trying to mine that talent here. Here's another guy that they drafted. I think he was round four, if I remember correctly. This is one in a different, a little bit different player and build and whatnot. But this is, this kind of speaks to the Bengals coveting. And this is, again, this is on actual uh, Kentley Platt's website, the relativeathleticscores.com, not necessarily his Twitter profile, but here is Ranel Wren. Uh, and, and you see here the relative athletic score of 9.74. And you see, the the composite grades here of, of everything here. And you see obviously quite a bit bigger at 315 pounds, six foot four, what he measured in at, and he did have him down as a defensive tackle, but the profile and the coveting of athleticism and hoping to mold that clay out of an interior defensive lineman, I think kind of rings true here. And this is, this is a guy that they probably will covet to do the same.
1: And the Mingles are smart to be investing in athletes at that position because the majority of successful defensive tackles, they are supreme athletes. If they're not like the elites of like the Renell Rens of the world with the nine plus 9.5 plus RS scores, they're definitely above average. I think Ogunjobi fits along that that bill as well. DJ Ritter tested pretty athletic for his size. Like it, it, it's smart to invest in athletes. And I think it's an interesting topic with Ren as well. And now that you bring him up, like if they add Williams to this defensive tackle rotation, that's Ogunjobi, Daniels. Williams, DJ Reader, like y- you have to think like, you know, the no more than yeah, tupos as well, who I think restructured his deal to make him a little bit more um cheaper for this year. So it kind of think like, you know, Ren is almost like playing for his job if they had another defense attack, which we expect them to do.
0: Yeah. And it also, I, this is kind of something I, I was potentially thinking about asking Mike Daniels about, but the approach by Lou and in terms of generating pressure this, this year, you know, they, they went after Carl Lawson. They also brought in Trey Hendrickson. I don't know that it was ever in their plans necessarily to get both of those guys in unless it really fit in financially, which probably didn't seem feasible given given what they've been doing. But, uh, you know, it, it seems as if they're like, you know, hey, yeah, we'll add a, an edge guy and we, we lose an edge guy. We're not going to bring in a ton of edge players. It's more generating pressure, generating pressure. Um, you know, getting guys that can move around a little bit on the interior of the defensive line and generating pressure that way. And so this would be kind of a creative way in looking at his Milton Williams' film and you bring in a Larry Ogunjobi, you have a Mike Daniels, maybe it's just a, a different way of generating pressure than rather rather than just the traditional guys off the edge. I don't know. That was just something that kind of popped in my head when I was watching some stuff on this kid.
1: Yeah. On, on that note, even if they do add Williams, we can expect them to add
0: add, add an edge rusher too, Right. In the draft class. Yeah. 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 As well. So wait, where do you think, where do you think they would do that? Do you think that would be maybe round two or do you think that's
1: day three? I don't know. Like I feel like they're definitely going to be looking at it beyond round one. Like if there's just, mm-hmm. you know, I I believe we mocked Jalen Phillips to them back in like January or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like if he's there, he would be on the short list. Um, like the Pittsburgh guys, even though they didn't test well, I feel like they still would be interested in him. Taryn Jackson, if we're going to keep it with with the small school stuff, he was heavily worked out um, by, I believe, I believe it was Al Golden. I don't know that for sure, but at Coastal Carolinas Pro Day, they had a Bengals personnel member run him through a workout. And I, I think there's definite interest there, maybe in like the round five range. So, like, it, as the, the longer the draft goes and they hadn't had, they had, they, old draft edge rusher like that next pick you can almost expect it to be like i feel like that, that's going to be a, a pretty high priority behind adding like the second offensive lineman or, or a milton williams type of defensive tackle
0: well that's our free agency profile this week milton williams a guy who's getting a lot of run and probably will not be available past round three i, don't, I, I would expect night two, his name to be called and the, the potential of the Bengals grabbing him in round three is is pretty high based on not only just people with knowledge of what the team is looking at and what the, how their draft board is shaking out. But um, also just what this kid's profile is and the need and the, the want. I mean, the Bengals have went, they've gone after a number of different interior defensive linemen, even after signing Larry Ogunjobi, they went off after Sheldon Rankins, if you remember. So they, they, they've been trying to, to bolster that interior, the defensive line, and they've done, quite a bit of it over the past two off seasons. They're probably going to continue doing it in the draft going forward. That's going to pretty much wrap things up for us. John, let's drop the mic and get out of here. What do you got for us on our way out?
1: So my partner, Anthony, he's usually the one that kind of teases some upcoming announcements and stuff. I'm going to take a crack at that myself. I actually didn't tell anything about this, but um, just real quick, I want to give a shout out to Emily Parker, who is the Bengals director of communications, a great friend and, um, supporter of this show really for what what she has done in terms of getting us a content and interviews but I've been going back and forth with her a couple times this offseason if anyone is really still on the fence of whether or not the Bengals are really taking on a new turning on a new leaf this offseason I can attest to you that that is definitely a palpable change especially from Emily's side in our communications I'm not going to tell you what it is but expect an article to drop next week about the Bengals and what they're going to be announcing next week in terms of the uniforms. I'm not going to say what it is, but there, there is some, there is a unique opportunity for Cincy Jungle and I think a couple of other me- media members as well uh, next week. So be on the lookout for that article to drop next week.
0: Awesome. Sounds sounds like a really cool thing. And Yeah, Emily, I think, helped arrange when you were, was it the Combine? Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe Senior Bowl? The Senior Bowl. Senior bowl. Yeah. Um, I sit down with Duke Tobin and I know, um, you guys had uh, talked to a couple of players. I think it was a training camp or something like that. A couple, you know, we had Andy Dalton and Billy price and a lot of different guys that you were able to, to chat with. So, um, yeah, big thanks to her. She's been, she's been great to this program and big thanks to EAG management who represents Mike Daniels. They have been very supportive of, of what we do here and he was awesome as usual. Our thanks to him. Just brings the energy. I wish I had that kind of energy. I, I I drink a ton of caffeine, and I can't still can't get that that kind of energy. But our thanks to him. A lot of fun chatting with him. We went a little long today, but uh, we got to a lot. We are getting oh so close to the NFL draft, and we're going to keep bringing you all kinds of different content. Keep it to CincyJungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis. Check out our show for film on prospects that the Bengals might be looking at interviews like the ones with Richmond Webb and Mike Daniels that we've had over the past couple of weeks and uh, we appreciate all the support John uh, take care have a good week bud you as well all right take it easy everybody